Hello, welcome to Kingdom Life Radio. This is Kenny Hebert, and today I have a, uh, a guest with uh, is joining me, Pastor Joe Green from Second Baptist Church. Hello, everyone. Glad to be with you this morning, or whenever it is that you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's morning, afternoon, and evening it plays on. So, well, you know, I, I asked Pastor Joe to join me today. Uh, it's Easter week. Uh, this coming weekend is uh, Good Friday and uh, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and we wanted to talk specifically about some things about uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And I'm going to be asking Joe some questions and we're going to have some back and forth and, and hopefully give you some insight into uh, uh, the crucifixion of Christ and, and his resurrection. And so, Joe, let's let's start with the the, the very first question. I mean, like it, we're we're going to talk about Good Friday first of all. And so, I mean, what's the significance of of, of the crucifixion and and the death of Jesus? And not just in significant, but like for us today too. You know, it's it's a it's something in the past, but it's something meaningful for today too. Right. Well, and you know, one could say that the whole New Testament really tries to attempts to answer that question in various different ways. Uh, So the Gospels lay out Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and then the rest of the New Testament, the letters of the Apostle Paul, everyone else kind of says, all right, because of that wonderful truth of Christ's death and resurrection, because of the Gospel, this is what it means to leadership. This is what it means to living life. This is what it means to our perspective. So it really um, you know, what's the significance today? It's uh, it's life-changing, really. It's eternity-changing. Um, and now when the gospel writers were writing about the crucifixion and the resurrection, you know, it's interesting that, yes, they talk about Jesus' life and death, but if you just compare the, the space that they dedicate to that last week of Jesus' life, really the last few days of Jesus' life, it's incredible. It's like... Yeah. 25% at least of their of the gospels those are those stories written about Jesus uh, life and teachings um, it, it just shows the importance uh, when we think of Jesus he wasn't just a, a great teacher his death wasn't just you know interesting and good for him um, what the New Testament writers talk about is that uh, Jesus death, his uh, death for our, you know, he died for our sins. Uh, he rose from the dead uh, three days later, and many people saw him. Uh, that's the crux of what we call the gospel, the good news. And um, and yeah, by believing in Christ and His work, it's uh, we participate with Him in our death to our old selves, uh, and we receive forgiveness and what. You know, many people call salvation, but that includes a whole mess of things. Um, and we also um, can walk in newness of life. Now we can unpack that more because that that's really like a very general answer. Yeah. Um, but that's because that's such a, again, that question is so broad because, again, that's what really the New Testament is about. Yeah. Well, I mean, like with the crucifixion and Jesus' death, I mean, there was many people who were being crucified during that day. Now, why does Jesus' death stand out among all the rest? Why, why focus on his? There's, is there something it does for us? Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, that can be answered in a, in a couple of, of ways. But unlike other, many people, and you, you say, right, Kenny, that um, many people were crucified at that time. That was one of the ways that the Romans tortured people and sort of made an example of uh, folks to, you know, don't cause trouble. Uh, but you know, unlike everyone else, Jesus, well, number one, it was said that his his death 
um, had an atoning, was an atoning sacrifice for the world. But then, of course, he also lived again. So if if he just died and stayed in the grave, well, then then perhaps, uh, you know, folks would have forgotten. Uh, but he didn't. He rose from the dead. But there's an, but again, to go back to that atonement principle um, in, in the law of Moses. So remember the 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 Christian faith is based on uh, the Jewish faith, right? That we, we stand in continuity um, with the Jewish faith. So there are Hebrew scriptures, the, like the Hebrew scriptures are our Old Testament. And uh, in the law of Moses, uh, it talks about justice. Okay, God is a just God. And because of that, he requires that sin, and so sin is, is anything that falls short of God's will. Um, sin against a holy God, it it means you need to be cast from God's presence. It ultimately means death. But in God's grace, uh, he allows uh, he allowed a substitute's blood, right? A, a lamb to be given in place of the sinner. Um, and so in Leviticus 17, 11, it says, uh, it's the blood that makes atonement for one's life. But all of those animal sacrifices, they really just pointed to the fact that, uh, you know, God had a plan and that God himself would take on the sins of the world in his son, Jesus Christ. And he would suffer and die for those sins. And not just for, not, not he didn't have sins himself, um, but he would suffer and die for those sins as the atoning sacrifice. Uh, Hebrews 9 talks about this. So also Jesus was the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, as um, John the Baptist called him. So that Jesus, his physical torture, his death, was a part of that payment for our sins. So uh, as 1 Peter 1.19 says, we're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without ble blemish. So it's, you know, yes, we can understand the um, Jesus atoning death, like in concept, but, but, but we really get deep into that, the need for that sacrifice, the need for Christ's sacrifice, when we get into that, the, the Old Testament teaching of, wait a minute, God is just, but he's also loving. So instead of taking your life, when you, when you sin against him, he is allowing a substitute. And those, all the animal sacrifices, they pointed forward to that ultimate sacrifice that Christ would make. And that's why his his death is unlike any others, uh, right? Uh, uh, people die. Other people claim to be the Messiah. They would die. Uh, but, you know, the, the real Messiah, Jesus, uh, he fulfilled prophecy. Uh, and that that prophecy looked back towards the, you know, the atoning sacrifices of the of the Moses, the law of Moses. But it looked forward to that day when Jesus would would be that um, atoning sacrifice for us. So, so here we are you're talking about Jesus, you know, giving his life, atoning for our sin. And um, uh, just an interesting question to throw out to is like, well, then who's responsible for Jesus's death? He's talking about, is that meaning we're responsible? We're the reason he died? Or is there something else? Yeah. Well, and that, that question, too, that's a good question. That also we have to answer it on a few levels because we could say, uh, looking at it from one direction, well, actually God was responsible. Um, but then we can also look at it from another direction. Well, the Romans were responsible um, or, yeah. or the Jewish leadership was responsible. Uh, but really, I think a, a scripture I want to share that I think it hits at this at a couple levels is when the apostle Peter, after Jesus rose from the dead, he's sort of giving his ser first sermon after Pentecost 
uh, when the Holy Spirit came down. And he, he's just he's talking to the Jewish people who've gathered there. And in Acts chapter two, verse 23, he says this. Um, and this is a small part of a, of a larger sermon. He says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So here we have the sort of three different people, three different areas of responsibility. One is, no, this Jesus' death was a part of God's plan to save the world. So Jesus, like, and God, they... Uh, they could have blew the whole thing up, right? Oh, you know, you're going to crucify the Son of God? No way. I'm going to destroy the earth. Like, you know, no, God could have done that. But no, this was a part of the of the triune God's plan to deliver hum- humanity. But on another level, well, as the Apostle Peter is saying to the, to the Jewish leadership, well, you crucified him, meaning that they conspired, the leadership conspired so that... Um, you know, to, to put him to death. So they bared some guilt, some responsibility for that. But then notice it also says, and killed by the hands of lawless men. Who are the lawless men? Well, those are the Romans, right? Because the Romans actually crucified Jesus because they were the oppressing power. The, the Jewish people couldn't, uh, the Jewish leadership couldn't uh, crucify anyone without the Romans' permission. So, so yes, the, it was by the hands of the Romans and the conniving of the Jewish uh, religious leadership who were jealous of Jesus, but ultimately none of that would, would, have, um, would have held the day if it weren't also, um, uh, you know, a part of God's plan. And, and I think that also speaks to, wait, what, why, why would God do this? I think that speaks to, um, you know, God's his justice and that he needs to do something about sin, but it also speaks to his heart for humanity as well. Yeah. yeah that actually leads to the next question I was going to ask is like, so what's that reveal, you know, God in all of it, God was sovereign over working his plan and he purposed to, to make a way for justice to be served for our sin, but not using lands or people, but himself. What does that tell us about God's heart? Or even, I think, like even God's sovereignty, working all these things to bring about his plan. And even like, you know, what's God's ultimate purpose? Or even the heart of Jesus, you know, his willingness. I mean, so there's a lot there uh, to, to, to share. Yeah, there is. Um, and, and again, it's, it, I think, if, especially if some of your listeners uh, maybe are just, um you know, looking into Christianity or they're, they're new to Christianity or they grew up and maybe just coming back and the, their mind might be swimming about, wait a minute, so, so this sacrifice thing and and uh, God's sovereignty and, and atonement, all of these words that, uh, you know, and I'm just using and I probably should have defined. But um, the, the thing is, is that, yeah, we are talking about God and that this uh, all of this, it takes a lifetime. It is actually going to take an eternity to 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 mine the depths of all that this means. Um, But let let me just take a a short stab at it, Um, you know, with that caveat that, well, yes, it's, uh, um, it's going to take eternity to to really, again, plumb the depths of, of what this means about God, what it means about us. But I just want to share John Stott. He's a, he's a, a writer that I I enjoy a lot and a good preacher. And uh, in the, in the book, the cross of Christ, he talks about the, the crucifixion of Jesus enforcing three truths. And the first was that it tells us that our sin must be extremely horrible. 
uh, because there's nothing reveals the gravity of sin like the cross, right? So that if there's no way by which this righteous God, this God who, who must have justice, if there was no way which could, he could righteously forgive our unrighteousness, except that he should bear it himself in Christ, uh, then it must be serious indeed, right? That, that's a quote from him that, man, if so God has to deal with it through this, the, the torture and suffering of his son. Again, that points to that sin leads to death, right? Sin um, is, it can't be kept in a little box that, that sin must be dealt with, but the, the cross, the bloodiness of it, the, the pain of it, it, it really shows that sin is serious and it's something that, um, that has to be dealt with. Now, secondly, it also, so not only does it show the cross, not only does the cross show the, um, the gravity of sin, but it also shows God's love, that God's love must be wonderful beyond c- comprehension because he would pursue us even to the desolate anguish of the cross. That's what Stott says, yeah. where for our sin, our guilt, our judgment and death. Uh, I mean, just to think that, again, this is God we're talking about. So that God, he doesn't need us. Like God is God. He is, is perfectly content and, and righteous and loving in himself, in the, in the community of oneness in the Trinity. So he, he doesn't have to do that. Um, but he does. Uh, and, and so because of the, the, the gravity of sin, but because of his great love, um, he would even go to the cross. He would even take on this punishment so that he could be that sacrifice. Again, it just speaks to the, the um, God's love, and that's beyond comprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also speaks to the fact, and this is again from Stott, that it, it, Christ's salvation, it has to be a free gift, right? What did Jesus do on the cross? He, he purchased like our salvation. He paid for our sins. So therefore there's nothing left for us to pay. Um, so that again speaks to God's love. It speaks to his grace. So uh, uh, yeah, again, we, we, uh, that, that's just a little piece of what the crucifixion shows us. Um, but it really gets into some some the deep truths about the character of God. That yes, yeah. He's just, but yeah, He is so loving uh, that He would that He would do this. It's um, as I mentioned, I think yes, uh, last Sunday in my sermon that this I think is also applicable when we when we're going through hard times or when we're going through suffering and we're not understanding, you know, how why would God allow this? That we can say, well, I'm not sure. Uh, and I don't understand, but I can trust someone who would give their life for me. Like I can trust Jesus because he died for me and you don't, uh, he earned my trust in that. So yeah. it just has the cross of, of Christ, the love of God. It, there's just so many applications that are life changing um, that, yeah, we could have a, we could have a 24 hour radio program that goes on for <laughs> hundreds of years and really not plumb the, again, plumb the depths of, of what it all means. All right. Well, let's move on to talking about the resurrection. So Jesus dies, he's buried, and on Easter Sunday, as we call it, or Resurrection Sunday, we he's risen from the dead. Not like the question would be like, well, how did Jesus rise from the dead? Who rose him from the dead? Why did that happen? And maybe like, why is that important that he was risen from the dead? Yeah. 
Well, and again, I, I sort of mentioned earlier that, you know, for one thing, if he just stayed dead, uh, you know, what would that mean? I mean, I suppose he could be a, he could still be that sacrifice, but really what his resurrection means is that he has victory over all of those things. So that if he died for our sins, well, he didn't just stay dead. He rose in victory over over the the great enemies of humanity so th that's you know sin satan and death right well jesus defeated all of those in his resurrection so that you know death couldn't hold him uh, satan couldn't hold him down our sins didn't end him but when he rises from the dead it shows that uh you know he has victory over those things and now how did that happen well a couple different passages in the scriptures in romans 8 it talks about the holy spirit like this because he says the same spirit Spirit that uh, raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in your bodies when he's talking about us and uh, the new life we have in Christ. So, um, you know, with all, when we're talking about the Christian God, we, you know, we talk about a Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit, and all three of them are all at work. So the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, but yeah, the Father did, and Jesus himself rose from the dead. It's, uh, you can't really separate the operations of, yeah. of the uh, of the triune God. Uh, but yeah, God did it. God raised him from the dead. The spirit raised him from the dead. Uh, Jesus himself uh, uh, busted out and uh, that showed that he had victory so that um, uh, again, that the, the sins and all that, they're not just sort of paid for. Um, and now we're all waiting, uh, but rather he uh, won the victory over those things. And, and now, by the way, he's, you know, um, uh, at the right hand of God, which also is, you know, amazing to, to think of. And, um, and wait, 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 are you saying God has a right hand? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yes, that's what we call the, uh, you know, when we say uh, human traits for God, uh, it's, it's <laughs> I just, I just say because that, that was a like, question like, well, where is he now? <laughs> yeah. And what's he doing? You know, is he is he just floating around on clouds, you know, strumming a harp or is he uh, is is there something significant Jesus is doing now? Yeah. And, and I see I, I remember having a, someone visit a, one of the churches I was in and saying, well, yeah, asking that question again. They really weren't a Christian. And they said they said, yeah. So wh what happened to Jesus? Where is he? Did he die again or this? And and this is, again, going back to I mentioned Peter's uh, the Apostle Peter's speech in, in Acts uh, earlier. Well, in that same speech, he kind of tells the people gathered about Jesus and what happened to them, happened to him. Um, in, in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 32 and 33, again, Peter says, this, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. So that we know, right? Easter Sunday, Jesus rises from the dead. And then in verse 33, he starts to tell about, well, what next? Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of this Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And so Jesus, uh, you know, for 40 days, so he rises from the dead and we have different accounts in the Gospels of him talking to his disciples and, and he has a physical body. 
right? So that it's not like Jesus' spirit just came up. And this is important, that his body was raised from the dead. So he eats something, they stick his their fingers in the, in the holes in his hands. Um, so he has a physical body. And I think that's important because God, when he made creation, he said it was good. So when God, when we talk about salvation and redemption, it's not like, oh, I just get to be floating up, you know, in, in the sky, you know, playing harps with in some sort of disembodied existence. No, God in Christ, God is restoring the whole thing, you know, spirit, mind, and body. And so although our physical bodies will, you know, will die when Jesus returns and, God, and the full restoration is finished, uh, then we will have glorified bodies and, and, and the, probably glorified bodies like Jesus, where Jesus' body, yes, um, it's a physical body, but he could sort of just pop into places so that when you read the gospel accounts, you know, all of a sudden he sort of appears in the middle of the room with them and like, whoa, and they get scared. Um, <laughs> and, but yet they're still able to touch him. Yet right after that, he eats fish or, 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 or something with them. And so he has a physical body, but it's glorified, meaning that any any sort of the, the, the limitations that that are, are put upon our physical existence, the, many of those will be removed. Um, any of the stains of the of the of uh, of, uh, you know, death, all of that will be removed. And so getting to what Jesus is now is that, so he rises from the dead. And then as the apostle Peter says, 40 days later, after he talks and visits with a lot of his disciples, he ascends to God. So he just uh, ascends, uh, you know, bodily uh, and, and is now at God's right hand. And what that means, God being at God's right hand, is that, you know, he is with the father, he's, he's with God, and he intercedes for us. So he's not just sitting there bored. Uh, rather, he is now our intermediary, that he died for our sins. He became sort of our high priest, as the book of Hebrews talks about it. He's, he was our atoning sacrifice. And so now he is, he is uh, at the, again, as it says here, at the right hand of the Father. So he's at a place of prominence with God, ruling with God, but then also being our intermediary so that when we can talk right to God because we have, we trust Jesus uh, sacrifice that he has made a way to God he's taken away our sins so that we can talk with God we can um, have a relationship with God so Jesus didn't just do that for himself he did that for us so he died for us but he also lives for us you know uh, meaning that he's he's now uh, our connecting point with God so if your listeners are like wow that's you know, that, that's amazing. Well, put it, you know, put it to use. Like that means you can talk to God right now in the name of Jesus. Like he is, he has made that way for you. So you don't have to, uh, you know, do some special prayer or, or whatever. No, Jesus is that way. Yeah. Now, I, you're talking about, uh, I like how you tied in the Holy Spirit uh, mm. part of being poured out after He's risen from dead. He, he, he's gone. He's ascended, and Jesus and Peter talks about being poured out, because there's when we think of the the crucifixion and his death, uh, for bringing forgiveness, resurrection, proof of uh, of that, um, and then him ascending and pouring out the Spirit on us. So what's what I guess is the question is what does what significance for us personally mm -hmm. does the resurrection have for us for me right now today? What's it matter for my life today? having the Holy Spirit poured out. And what's that speak to? 
Yeah, yeah. And I know I get, I, I kind of tend to get theological because usually when I do things like this, I'm talking on like an academic level and, and stuff. And so I go like do, do these big theological <laughs> theory things. Um, but it definitely all of that good theology should produce good practice. And here, when we talk about, you know, the Apostle Peter says Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit, that's significant on a number of levels in that, um, that, the, the Jewish people were waiting for God to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the spirit of restoration. So it would, it would um, the prophets talked about when God pours out his spirit, he'll give us a new spirit, a new heart, so that we can actually follow God from the inside out and, and, and have God's strength and all this. And, and that was going to happen on the day of the Lord. But in Peter's speech, and I encourage your listeners to um, to, to go read Acts chapter two, he says, yeah, the day of the Lord was actually the day of Jesus, that the Lord is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And he has poured out the spirit. And what that means for us is that, um, a, that Jesus is Lord, <laughs> right? Um, and that, you know, he is, he's a part of, of, uh, the triune God, um, that he is, uh, a, a personage of the triune God, I should say, but also that Jesus, when he was, talking to his disciples in the gospel of John is like, I'm going to leave, um, but I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send the Holy spirit to you. And then the spirit, as he tells them, will lead you into all truth. The spirit will uh, be your guide. Your spirit will, I mean, my spirit will, uh, uh, you know, connect you to God. You won't be orphans. So the Spirit allows us, the Holy Spirit, so when Jesus, so we have the Father, Son, and Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God, and, the, and, and He can now dwell inside us. Because Jesus has cleansed us, because He has made us right with God, now uh, God can come and dwell in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So think about that. That means when you lose patience, for instance, well, you don't just have your own patience, your own willpower to rely on. You have the spirit of God's patience to rely on. Uh, it means when you are not very loving, you don't have just your own capacity to love. You have the, the, the Holy Spirit of God's capacity to love if we, um, if we rely on him. Um, so the, the fact that this God poured out his spirit, it means that Christianity is not a try harder religion that, all right, now, you know, do what Jesus says to do. It's, it's more of, wait, Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit. He, he's alive. His, he's been raised in the spirit. Uh, he's been raised and, and uh, now he pours out the spirit upon you. So um, it's not about trying harder. It's about allowing the spirit of God to live uh, through you. Um, to to really depend upon him, which again is is so life changing. Uh, wait, you mean the spirit of God is is living in me? Yeah. Again, I can't even uh, uh, go through a, a list of what that means without uh, taking hours and hours. Yeah. Well, we, we only got a few more uh, minutes, uh, uh, Joe. And so, just with that, I just thinking like um, is maybe you know giving a couple of things, ways people can respond to even some of the stuff you share, like whether it's the, the, the death of Christ or the resurrection or, or the spirit being poured out is you got to, you know, about a minute and a half to, to kind of guess, you know, give a, I guess, expressive response or an invitation to respond to God. 
Yeah. Well, I think so. I'll be quick. Two things is if you're if you're not a believer, if you're still thinking about this Jesus type of thing, then you know I would say the the response should be like the response of Thomas, the, of Thomas the disciple, when Jesus when he saw the living Jesus, when he put his fingers in his hands and his sides, he said, "My Lord and my God," and he worshipped Jesus, <laughs> and so. Really, and, and um, if you're not a believer, then all it is is, is about is, is placing your faith in Jesus' work and not your own. And that's as, it's as simple as just confessing that. God, I know I've fallen short, but I accept your sacrifice. I accept your work on my behalf. And then you live out that trust. Um, and now if you're a believer, how do you respond? It means that act like this, like live out your faith, live it as, uh, if, if you believe it's true, live as if it's true. What does it mean for God to be living inside of you? What does it mean to be totally forgiven? What does it mean for God to so love you that he gave his life for you? That should change the way you think, the way you treat others, the way you think about God, your priorities. Um, and so that would just be my thing is, well, live, like live it out, you know, live like it's true. Yes, yes, because it is. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, um, is you know, this um, Good Friday, you're having a Good a good Friday service uh, and a Sunday morning service. You want to give some uh, some uh, details of like the times of the service for Friday and for Sunday? Sure. So uh, at Second Baptist Church in South Hadley, we're having a... Um, uh, a Good Friday service, it's kind of a, doing a stations of the cross where um, people will go through different rooms to be able to quietly contemplate and 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 engage the different senses as we think about um, Jesus' death uh, and, and what it means. And so that's a great opportunity for people to do that. And that's going to be at six o'clock, I believe, on uh, on Good Friday. And then our Easter Sunday service is at 10 a.m., um, Again, at the at Second Baptist Church in South Hadley, and our our website is uh, www.sbcsouthhadley.com, and uh, you can get more information about the church and all those things from that website. Well, um, it's about all we have for time here. Uh, you know, thank you for joining us uh, on the radio. Uh, who's been listening, and even if you're listening from the website later, uh, thank you, Joe, for for sharing. I appreciate it. Um, and just if you if you want to re-listen to the the today's program, you can you'll find it on uh, Second Baptist uh, website at sbcsouthalley.com, or you can also find it on my website at letyourkingdomcome.com. Either one of those. And until next week, we, we pray you have a blessed week. God bless.